Hello and welcome to this edition of the hugely popular Cummings Pepperdine Crypto Questions. Last edition we had a bit of a change because Michael was doing the interviewing. Today we're going for another change because I'm going to be interviewing but I'm going to be interviewing Michael. I might get some help along the way from my dogs so listen to the woofs. Now, the reason I'm interviewing Michael is because we're doing an increasing amount of work in the DeFi world, and I thought it'd be interesting to explore exactly what DeFi is and then get some examples of how DeFi can be used in, in, in the work that our clients do to offer products to their clients. So, Michael, first, thank you for joining. Michael Borelli, Head of Regulatory Solutions at Cummings Pepperdine. Hello. Hi Claire, thank you. It's um it's a pleasure to be here. I'm in your lovely, lovely uh, home, um, especially with the dogs. Um, it's nice to have this shoe on the other foot of the same go, so <laughs> I'll do my best. Well, let me ask the first question this is can you give a simple explanation of DeFi, decentralized finance? Sure. So I'd say it's a it's an umbrella term for a collection of financial products that rely on parts of the um, decentralized architecture that enable peer-to-peer financial services and specific procedures to occur. So what I mean by that is people can, who don't know each other, can essentially interact with one another to exchange or to, to exchange products and services um, in, in the same way that you would do in traditional financial services with the noted exception of there being no intermediary. So there's no one standing between you and the other person. Yeah, it's decentralized. And it's it's also um, the disintermediating in the sense that there's no bank. So <clears throat> tell me if this is right, an example. We're sitting here now and you've got um, a Cafe Nero uh, coffee cup in front of you. When you went to Cafe Nero to buy that coffee, you handed over your card and it was a bank card. You tapped it, instructions went from to your bank that went to the Cafe Nero bank and out they came, yeah? Yeah. If that were decentralized, so Cafe Nero didn't have a bank account, neither did you, but on your card you had the means of storing a financial a payment uh, sort of type and mechanism, you'd tap your card and it would just go straight from you to Cafe Nero. Yeah, that, that, that is correct. Obviously, there are third parties involved in the sense that you have the infrastructure providers, so the persons maintaining the card infrastructure and the net and the network supporting it. So there are the other parties involved, but then they they don't stand between you and the uh, end user in the in the in that transaction in the sense that they do in that example you just described. Yeah. So can you explain then, In and let's do this in simple terms, let's, let's take the bit about Einstein, explain it so, so your mother would understand it. Um, how do you set up a decentralised financial means of payment? And then how do the people who want to both pay and receive payment set up the ability to do that from their phones? Okay, and keep it simple. Promise me you'll keep it simple. Oh, my reputation precedes me, I see. Um, oh, the dogs will bark if you don't. Oh, good Lord. Um, so I would say the first step is you need to have you need to have the right infrastructure in place. So, for example, you need to ha- um, open up a wallet. And that wallet would have to be... It doesn't have to be. It cust- can be it'll be a custodian wallet because you'll be... You, you'll... It can be self-custodial and it would make... And it would 
uh, you would want to set up on a reputable or an established yeah. blockchain network, whichever one you, the user chooses. Um, and second of all, you would have to make sure that the transaction you want to conduct is supported by the network. So you'd have to go on different networks, support different um, applications, and those applications may relate to a payment service or they could relate to NFTs, they could they may also support or not support stable coins. So it really it's really dependent on what the, the underlying use case is and the there has to be a common level of understanding between you and the recipient. So So if we use the coffee solution, yeah. yeah. You go into a coffee shop, you want to buy a cup of coffee, you have a, 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 a t- an investment type within your wallet on your phone that you own, you custody. You want to come out of your wallet and go to the coffee shop owner's wallet. How do you how how do you know that? Well, first of all, what is the type of finance you put in your the instrument that you put in your wallet, and then how do you know if the coffee shop owner is also able to use that decentralized mechanism? Well, it'd be misleading if they um, they should always stay what what methods of payment they accept. Yeah, so it's so, as simple as we accept. Yeah. You know, it's DeFi, not TradFi. Exactly. So the traditional finance still carry favour here. Um, they would have to disclose that, and if they say, "Yeah, we accept, we accept this type of crypto asset, and we accept it on this means of exchange is permitted," then you would know full well going in um, what you could or couldn't use. And in, t- in relation to your second question, you'd make sure that you topped up your wallet with a sufficient amount of currency to to pay for that or to um, execute that transaction. So that could be as simple as just transferring um, Ethereum from your Coinbase, Coinbase wallet to your MetaMask wallet or whatever other exchanges or infrastructure providers you use. And it's just as simple as that. And what are banks going to do about this? Because I used the word disintermediate earlier. And this has been a growing theme and a word that's moved into sort of not more common usage, but it's been being used more widely within the the digital asset world. And by that, I don't mean the, just the digital assets themselves, but also the ecosystem surrounding the digital assets, which allows for this kind of DeFi purchase. What are the banks going to do, do you reckon? I think they'll... Oh, better question, what should they do? Oh, well, now, you, now you're putting me on the spot there. What should they? Well, I think people should always look look at the trends and keep abreast of where the, the industry is moving. It's incredibly moving and evolving incredibly quickly, so they have to make sure they're on the ball. I'd make, uh, hopefully they've got business transformation processes in place. I think what they should do is embrace the change and augment their systems, um, processes and procedures to make sure they can handle this, engage with the industry, not try and or try and put their heads in the sand. Um, and the, and there will also be a, there will always be a place for banks. Yeah, always. Yeah. They should be willing and have the courage and, and means to invest. You know, offer both, not just one. Offer both and embrace the change because otherwise the user base will gravitate elsewhere. You know, and they need to ensure that they have they, the technology and infrastructure support to the R and D is sufficient. Of R and D is carried out, and they um, engage with their user base. What about lending? Because Often when you think about banking, you think about banks lending money. How How is it possible to, and, and um, so, look, we, both, we both sort of know this, but let's go through it. How do you go about setting up uh, a DeFi lending arrangements? And perhaps let's just 
talk about one and think about the simplest that as a tech person you you know you would suggest somebody wants to get into DeFi lending sets up as their sort of their starter product well I would be uh I'll be careful saying I'm holy tech because there are people out there far more technically skilled than I am but um I'd say if you want to get started ensure you have a credible software development team in-house or make sure you outsource it to credible yeah. tech team that can build it so knowing what your solution is and engaging with them and putting together a specification document outlining what your requirements are so those will probably be driven by commercials and the business plan and the fundamentals but having a team to build the solution is uh, is your is a prerequisite and what does that solution look like because if you think if we think about banking you go to the bank you ask tomorrow some money they go through checks they say yes they know you sign a you sign a document that can't be tinkered with it is just whatever the banks and then you can draw down the money how does it work with DeFi? that's an incredibly complex question probably we need more time to, to go through in exhaustive detail. But I would say what it looks like is dependent on where customer base you're serving and who's involved. And I said that jurisdiction, so where, where the platform provider is based, where you intend to operate from and your 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 user base. Um, I think it's ultimately the how regulation and compliance applies in this context is where the activity is carrying out. Um, and that will drive what, what the solution looks like. Obviously, when you're when you're devising a solution, you can conduct all the business ma- business mapping and make sure the architecture is structured how you want. So that how it looks like on a sort of software application level will be quite clear cut. But how it oper- how it operates in practice in the ta- in the tangible real life. Um, context will differ completely. Can you t- can you talk to me about a liquidity pool in the context of DeFi lending? Sure. Um, I just say it's a, just a collection of in the different individuals. So whether that's an exchange or um, mar- a market maker or uh, investors who effectively all contribute their assets into a into a pool that that allow that will give give the liquidity for the lending. Yes. Yeah. Give liquidity to to the lenders to the borrowers, so they make that they can borrow as as much or as little as they want from the pool, and to ensure that both parties, when they enter into that contract, are um, satisfy their economic terms. So the borrower accepts the 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 collateral pledge by the lenders, um, in, in in return for paying an interest amount. Now, DeFi is complex, and there are various different means which you, you know there are. Things such as flash loans and other complexities that there are available, but generally speaking, it does follow the um, lending arrangement that you're very familiar with in your work with uh, Cummings Pepperdine. And what about the use of tokens in a DeFi lending structure? Well, by that I presume you mean when we were just when we were structuring some lending for a client last week, and we were we were, we bought tokens into the overall transaction. Yeah, you would have to to be able to interact and use the application. You'd have to use tokens, so that that would be a prerequisite. So you'd have to, for a loan, for example, you'd have to pledge the required level of collateral, which would be, for example, a stable coin or um, another other form of token, which is stipulated in the DeFi application protocol. So the protocol will determine what the eligible forms of collateral are and how you interact with it. Mm. And the protocol is key. And 
you know, it's always possible as well to get into lending using, well, it's possible to get into almost everything using smart contracts. So the, 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 the contractual terms are automatically fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And that's a combination of using lawyers and then using programmers who can program smart contracts and then independent third parties to test the smart contracts and audit them to make sure they work. So, yeah. Or lawyers who can write smart contracts like you as well. So. Well, <laughs> I think that's a, that's a bit of a stretch at the moment, but give it time. Give it time. I'll be cl- I'll be clattering away. Yeah. Word, words, words and protocols at some point. Yeah. Well, look, Michael, thank you very much. I've deliberately tried to keep this quite, quite short for people. It is just an introduction mm-hmm. and maybe we should come back and, give people some more details. I think we've got some more podcasts coming up with third parties. We're going to be talking about DeFi. We're going to be talking about crypto exchanges. So when we've had some other people in and we've given our our listeners a chance to listen to some external, very exciting um, speakers, we'll come back and talk about DeFi again. Yeah, I'd love to. And um, hopefully forthcoming uh, Cryptionary, which I know you, you mentioned before, is going to have some DeFi content. So you're, you're listening. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, yeah. Well, the Cryptionary has gone down well in Parliament as well. So I was wondering if we ought to do a DeFi dictionary. Should we combine the Cryptionary with DeFi or do a Cryptionary and a DeFi dictionary? I don't know. I, listeners, what do you think? I quite like the I quite like the term DeFi dictionary, but I defer to your judgment. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Yep. Yeah. Anybody listening, let us know what you think. Email on claire.cummings at cummingspepperdine.com, um, and I'll gather all the responses for Michael, and we'll make a decision. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Tune in again soon for some more exciting and, of course, hugely popular. We like to be modest. Crypto questions with Cummings Pepperdine. Thank you very much. Bye bye. <laughs>